The medical health information provided during this program is for general information and educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional advice. None of the given information is for the purpose of diagnosis or treatment. Neither does this program serve as approval for any health product or brand. This program aims to enhance your personal health and wellness through the adoption of healthy lifestyles and your prompt presentation to the health professional whenever you suspect that you are ill. For treatment and professional advice, ensure you consult your physician. Welcome to Say Yes to Good Health with Memorial Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and I invite you to join us as we discuss a healthy pregnancy and birth basics with Dr. Chris Jones. He's an obstetrician gynecologist with Memorial Hospital. Dr. Jones, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. So let's just start with preconception health. What would you tell a woman right now that she can be doing before she gets pregnant to help to ensure a healthy pregnancy? What about a preconception checkup? Who should have one? Tell us a little bit about your best advice about what she should be doing right now. Well, thanks, Molly. It's a pleasure to be here to talk with you. So there is actually a, a visit that we call a preconception visit where a patient comes in and, and talks about just the things we're going to talk about today. Unfortunately, I think that probably the number of people that actually do that prior to pregnancy is, I would probably on the uh, order of less than 5%. So, you know, I definitely would like to have more expectant moms come in and talk about preconception care. But, you know, some of the things we talk about or, or that we will talk about here today are kind of, I, I don't want to say common sense, but some kind of just basic strategies to stay healthy. Obviously, it's best not to be smoking, not to be using any drugs. It's probably best not to drink when you're trying to get pregnant. Now, I don't want to scare a lot of people because a, a lot of uh, moms will come in and say, I had a drink or two and I just found out I was pregnant last week. Now, uh, the vast majority of times that's not going to have any harmful effects. But ideally, we can avoid all of those potential teratogens, which are congenital anomaly-causing substances. And then there's a couple of infections that we like to make sure that patients are immune to prior to pregnancy. The main ones that we speak about are the rubella and varicella infections. Varicella is commonly known as chickenpox, and we can test that easily just with a blood test to find out if a patient is already immune to it. And if not, then we, there's vaccinations that can provide that protection from those two infections, and both of those infections can cause serious problems uh, in pregnancy. And then in general, again, general health, it's best to be at a healthy weight. Obesity leads to a higher risk and a wide variety of pregnancy complications. So trying to keep a healthy weight with a good diet and exercise is extremely important prior to pregnancy because once you get in pregnancy and we don't really want patients necessarily trying to, if they're already obese, we don't want them necessarily trying to lose weight during pregnancy because that may not be healthy for the pregnancy, but obviously we'll want them to have a healthy weight gain during pregnancy. But so ideally it's better to try to get to a healthy weight prior to pregnancy. What great information. So Dr. Jones, when I remember when I was pregnant for the first time and I had so many questions and things that do seem like common sense, but then there are other things that women just don't know, like how much weight should they gain? And we hear we're supposed to eat for two. We're going to answer so many of those questions. But let's start with right when she gets pregnant and then she comes to see you. 
and prenatal vitamins are generally recommended. Tell us a little bit about what those are, where we find those, and why they're so important. What should women be looking for? Because there's a lot on the market today. Well, I try not to make this too complicated for patients. So generally, I think any prenatal vitamin um, that you can buy over the counter at your pharmacy or Walgreens or Walmart or what have you are going to be adequate and supply any of the necessary nutrients and and vitamins that you may need for a healthy pregnancy. Um, Certainly, you want to make sure, and and this is something that, that, again, it would be very important for someone to be doing is to make sure that there's some folic acid in your prenatal vitamins. We have very good data that a supplement with folic acid decreases the risk of neural tube defects, which most commonly would be something like spina bifida, which some of your listeners may be familiar with. And and that the uh, dosage for that is 0.4 milligrams a day of folic acid. And, and generally, they're really going to be just in your, any prenatal vitamin you can get over the counter. And then some people talk about omega-3 fatty acids. There was some evidence a number of years ago that potentially that helped with brain development. I certainly don't think it's bad to use omega-3s in a prenatal vitamin or even supplement with omega-3s, but I also don't necessarily think that that someone who doesn't do that is is harming their baby. But, you know, if you can find one with omega-3, that's that probably optimal. But those are the two main things that we talk about a lot is the omega-3s and folic acid. But other than that, as long as you're most generally, we're not in sub-Sahara Africa where sometimes patients and people aren't getting the appropriate nutrition. But most generally, if you're eating a, a normal, decent diet in America, you're going to have the quantities of macronutrients and micronutrients that you need. And But the prenatal vitamins are sort of a backup to that just to make sure that you're, you have more than enough to keep a healthy pregnancy. But again, the main thing is make sure that your prenatal vitamin has a folic acid component to it, because that has really good evidence that helps decrease birth defects. Well, it certainly does. And what about weight gain? Dr. Jones, are we eating for two? Are we not (laughs) eating for two? Is that a, a, a wives' tale? Can you please tell us about what a safe amount of weight to gain and or for women that are underweight when they, you know, get pregnant? Can you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, well, I do think pregnant women are obviously eating for two. And in terms of ideal weight gain during uh, pregnancy, it really depends a lot on the patient's pre-pregnancy weight. So larger women or obese women are going to be gaining less weight than underweight women and normal weight women. There are some guidelines that the Institute of Medicine have handed out, and we pretty much kind of go by by these as far as our recommended weight gain. For an underweight patient, they may want to gain anywhere between 25 and 40 pounds during their pregnancy. And that's, that's contrasted with an obese patient who we want to gain much less, and that would be more like 11 to 20 pounds. Uh, so that's quite a bit of difference that an underweight patient should be gaining during pregnancy compared to the overweight patient. And for your normal weight patient, and we usually measure this by the BMIs. I'm sure your listeners have heard of that, the body mass index for our normal BMI patients, we want to see about a 25 to a 35 pound weight gain. Well, that was great information. So, and really succinct and concise. Now, when we talk about morning sickness and general nausea, I had it with one child, didn't have it at all with the other. What (laughs) can women do when they start to experience that morning sickness, which can really affect your entire day? 
Yes, it can. And I'm going through, in medicine, we always seem to have spurts of particular types of patients that comes in. And right now I'm having a lot of patients have having troubles with morning sickness. So generally uh, a patient who's having troubles with uh, morning sickness, and by the way, morning sickness is sort of misnomer. I would say very few of my patients just have nausea and vomiting during the morning and then they're fine the rest of the day. Most patients don't necessarily follow that, tech, follow that textbook definition. They're not quite so lucky. But generally, if a patient is having problems with vomiting during pregnancy or even just nausea, we'll recommend things like kind of a, a bland diet. We call it the uh, rice diet. So things like rice or applesauce, toast, don't tend to upset the stomach. But what I like to tell patients if, is that if there's anything that you think that tastes good and that you can keep down, try it. If that's ice cream, Go ahead. If that's what you keep down, try the ice cream. And in general, the, the main thing also, we want to make sure that patients are getting plenty of, of water and not getting dehydrated because that can become a problem in, in pregnancy. And then above and beyond just kind of the bland diet things, we have some vitamins that seem to help. Vitamin B6 seems to help. Also, Unisom, which is a antihistamine that you can take for sleep. Those two medications in combination, the, the Unisom, which is, again, doxylamine, which is an antihistamine, plus the vitamin B6 has a lot of good evidence that it diminishes nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. And then there's some non-pharmacologic methods that, that some people have found success with. There's the C-bands uh, that put a pr use kind of a pressure point mechanism on the wrist that, that can tend to help patients. Some motivated patients with access and resources will try acupuncture. That seems to help some patients. And then if those kind of what we call conservative measures don't help, then we talk about pharmacologic measure, measures to help patients. And in general, when we place a patient on a medication, we talk about the risks and benefits because we don't necessarily have any medicine that we know for sure is 100% uh, safe in pregnancy, but we do have lots of medicines that we have a long history with and we haven't been able to detect any problems with it. So, you know, there's some medicines that, that I will use with very minimal hesitation other than just talking to the patient that it's really hard to do nice randomized control trials on pregnant women. In fact, we can't do them, but sometimes we do have to go to pharmacologic management for these for these patients, especially if they're not keeping fluids down because that's when it's obviously not healthy for mom or baby. And then sometimes, you know, we'll have to use IV hydration. Sometimes just getting some fluids in a patient will make them feel better. And then in the worst case scenario, some of these patients are hospitalized and hopefully we can turn the corner and get a handle on the situation that way. And then in a very small minority of patients, they'll end yeah, up that's having rare. to... Yeah, yes, it is pretty rare. And then even that's rarer is patients rare. that have to go through intravenous feeding. But that's extremely rare as well. Well, I certainly remember those times. And ladies, I can tell you, you can also try chewing on mint. Mint yep. leaves, peppermint works, peppermint tea, ginger works really well, like a ginger juice or sips of Coke, because that stuff has that anti-nauseant. But Dr. Jones, you're just such a wealth of information. So I'd like to, before we get into some more birth basics, talk about a few of the services that are available. Some women have what's called a high-risk pregnancy. Maybe they are someone who's been diagnosed with gestational diabetes or they had diabetes before they got pregnant or they're pregnant with twins or any of those kinds of things. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Memorial Hospital for these women? 
Yeah. So here at Memorial, we'll take care of a, a variety of types of pregnant patients and even some patients with what you might want to consider high-risk conditions. Now, certainly with the highest-risk patients, I we tend not to... Um, deliver them here at least. You know, it's always important to be able to offer prenatal care, even if a patient is high risk and is going to have to end up delivering at a tertiary uh, center, you still want to be able to offer good prenatal care locally so they don't have to travel, you know, 13 times uh, during their pregnancy just to go see the doctor for a prenatal visit. So we do offer that, you know, as well. Now, on some of the patients that, um, that, can be considered somewhat high risk that we do uh, take care of here and deliver here. Uh, we'll have conditions like gestational diabetes, uh, pre-gestational diabetes as well. So that's diabetes prior to the pregnancy. Um, any sort of uh, hypertension, preeclampsia, we will uh, deliver patients as well here at this hospital unless they develop conditions that you know warrant a, a referral or a, a transfer to a higher level of care. Uh, with a perinat uh, perinatologist at a larger facility. Well, that's great that you're offering all of those things. So now let's talk about some other things a woman can do to really help make this a better pregnancy. I loved being pregnant, Dr. Jones, and I know I'm not that common, but I, I kind <laughs> of loved it. I didn't like that I couldn't drink my martinis that I love, but I did like being pregnant so Exercise. Let's start there because you've given us great information about nutrition, but exercise, a lot of women don't know what to do. And if that's the time to begin or if they were a previous exerciser, give us a little bit of advice about that. Yeah, for sure. So exercise actually is one of those strange things in taking care of pregnant women because in the past, and I'm in, I cannot explain to you why this was, but in the past, we treated pregnant women with kid gloves and basically said, oh, you need to rest, you need to kind of take it easy and be careful. Well, of course, certainly patients need to be careful and not do dangerous things, but the more we look at exercise and pre pregnancy, the more we realize that it's extremely important for uh, patients uh, to exercise in pregnancy, even with you know, you can even measure some endpoints, some very concrete endpoints. Patients that have a regular exercise program during pregnancy most likely will decrease their risk for cesarean sections. Um, but yeah, so I tell patients um, uh, routinely uh, that uh, to try to keep a healthy pregnancy and, and, and also to stay um you know, for your mental health, exercise does help people with their mental health as well. And, you know, pregnancy is a tough, a tough deal. And the, the more things you can do to, to take care of yourself and take care of your mental health during pregnancy is going to be extremely important. And, you know, I feel exercise is a vital component as a, a part of that strategy to, to try to stay healthy and, and keep your mental health as best it can be during pregnancy. So we recommend at least moderate exercise to all pregnant women. So then tell us a little bit about pre-birth things, stuff you want women to know that they should be thinking about before the birthing time comes around. Should they be setting stuff up? Should they be taking a breastfeeding class or learning about caring for baby? Because some couples don't even know how to change a diaper. What is it you want couples to know during that pregnancy time that can help them for the day that they go home with baby, even car seats. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I think that uh, one of the greatest resources for uh, pregnant moms is is family members. You know, ask family members for advice because uh, they'll have all kinds of little tips and tricks for the day you bring the baby home. Uh, but in terms of, you know, getting ready for uh, labor and delivery, obviously, you know, we've talked about exercise. I think that's extremely important. Obviously, I also think it's important to, to uh, be consistent with your um, prenatal care so that hopefully if you have a problem that's starting to develop, you can catch it early and do something about it so you don't show up in labor and delivery and have a huge problem. Um and in terms of, especially, you know, for first-time moms, you know, moms that have been pregnant and have had three or four babies, may, it may not be so important for, but, you know, birth classes are important and it, it at least goes a long way to making patients feel like they have some sense of control or have some, a little bit more information as they go into to birth. Because obviously, if you're a first-time mom, you've never done anything like this before, and, and it can be quite intimidating, and, and some women are somewhat fearful of that. And I think birth classes ameliorate that to a, a great, great degree. And so we offer those here at uh, Memorial, and I think they're a great option uh, for patients, especially the first-time moms. And we do have, in terms of breastfeeding, we always say breast is best, and it is. On the other hand, not everybody can breastfeed, and that's understandable, and we can still have healthy babies and healthy moms for bottle feeding babies and moms, and, and that's okay too. But we do encourage patients who can to breastfeed, and we have, I would say, two or three lactation certified lactation consultants here at Memorial Hospital. And I think it's important for patients who feel like it's important for them to be able to breastfeed to actually meet with our lactation consultants prior to giving birth, because there's a, just a ton of information, a lot of information, and it's probably better to kind of get ahead of that curve before you got a baby there that's crying and screaming for food and you're having problems. So I think talking with a lactation consultant is extremely helpful and will increase our rates of successful breastfeeding in, in of our babies. Well, that's certainly true. And you can listen to a podcast by Lila Brooks Fritz, too. She is one of your lactation consultants, and she is just an awesome certified nurse midwife. So you do have a great staff there, Dr. Jones. Now, well, thank you. what about for the dads? Do you have any advice for them on helping the new mom, helping the mom during pregnancy, because that's something that I think people don't really talk about is what the partner can do while the woman is going through this pregnancy and birth and really what they can do. And also while you're telling us, Dr. Jones, during this COVID time, tell us what kind of birth protocols you have in place right now at Memorial Hospital. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I, I do think obviously it's important for the dad t uh, to be involved in uh, the mom's pregnancy and the birth. I think that's extremely helpful, and and you know, not necessarily to um, um, direct and control, obviously, but just have someone there to empathize with what uh, a pregnant uh, patient's going through, and and to be able to support them during labor and delivery is is really the primary role as I see it. Uh, for uh, the dad. Um, and uh, in terms of uh, uh, COVID policy here, you know, those things, uh, they seem to change on a weekly basis. Um, but right now, at least at Memorial Hospital, and I think this is pretty representative of, of what's happening around the country, um, 
with maybe some minor variations, but we do allow uh, um, patients to have a significant other in the room throughout the, the labor and delivery process. You know, I think for a short period of time, I, I'm not, I, 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 you know, it seems like a decade ago in COVID years, but it was only two years, less than two years ago. I think for a short period of time, we were having uh, no visitors, um, but that obviously was not optimal. And I think we've realized that that probably was uh, uh, not the best idea. Um, but again, you know, we're making these things up as, as we go during the pandemic. Um, but in terms of our current policy right now, we can have one visitor at a time um, for uh, our moms that are in labor and delivery, and um, but they can have two visitors total during their stay, but just one visitor at a time, and they have to kind of rotate in and out um, to try to you know limit exposure and limit exposure to staff and limit exposure to hospital personnel, which is um, becoming more and more of a problem um, nationwide. Um, because lots of people are getting sick and having to be out. And, um, and, and this is one way that we try to diminish and mitigate the, the staffing shortage uh, that a lot of hospitals are struggling with by, by limiting visitors. So um, it's done for a good, a good reason. Yeah, no, that's great information that you let us know only two visitors, but one at a time in a rotating fashion for the mother that's in her birth time in the last minute and a half, Dr. Jones, because you and I could really go on a lot for a long time, but can you give us your best advice for a healthy pregnancy and some birth basics, anything that you think we didn't cover, final thoughts and best advice? Yeah, you know, I think my final thoughts would be that to really find a provider that you uh, trust. There's a lot of different ways to do things, and patients have different priorities when they come into labor and delivery. And I think it's extremely important to find a provider that you feel like you trust that also honors your desires. And because there's there's just, there's a variety of ways to have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy uh, birth. And I think. As long as you have a provider that respects your autonomy and understands your desires during your your birth process, I think that goes a long way to making making it an enjoyable uh, experience uh, for you. So I, I would say vet your providers. Make sure you have someone that you're comfortable with. I think that's just there can't be anything more important in the provider patient relationship than mutual respect and trust. What a great ending. Dr. Jones, you are so right. You have to really trust your OB-GYN and the staff and know that they're with you. They're rooting for you and the new little baby. And it's really such an exciting time for a couple. Really, that first couple of days, I just, I loved it. Anyway, thank you so much, Dr. Jones, for joining us today. And listeners can call 217-357-2173 to schedule an appointment with Dr. Jones. That concludes this episode of Say Yes to Good Health with Memorial Hospital. And for more health tips, you can always visit our website at mhtlc.org to learn more about Memorial Hospital's obstetric services. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening. The medical health information provided during this program is for general information and educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional advice. None of the given information is for the purpose of diagnosis or treatment. 
Neither does this program serve as approval for any health product or brand. This program aims to enhance your personal health and wellness through the adoption of healthy lifestyles and your prompt presentation to the health professional whenever you suspect that you are ill. For treatment and professional advice, ensure you consult your physician.